Amen. Have a seat. While you're doing that, can we just praise God for all he's doing this morning? Man, God is so good, isn't he? Wow, how are we doing this morning? How are you guys doing? Awesome, awesome. Let's keep the good times rolling. So hey, I wanna talk to you about a monumental day for the country of South Africa. A very, we're gonna get to that other monumental day in a second. I know where you were going. But I wanna talk about the country of South Africa for a second. A monumental day that changed everything for this people. The day was February 11th, 1990, and the energy was in the air. It was palpable, it was electric. You knew that things were not going to be the same for this country. You see, this was the day that Nelson Mandela was set free after 27 years of captivity. Around 9,855 days. And he, on this specific day, was set free. Nelson Mandela walked out of prison a free man, and he never looked back. In fact, he would go on to say this, looking back on his time, his time of leaving, and he said, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Nelson Mandela walked out a free man and he never looked back. You and I, as followers of Christ, we have been set free. You see, we were in bondage, right? We were locked up and in captivity under our sin, under our flesh. And there was no way we were gonna break ourselves out. Yet Christ came and changed everything. He took on flesh and he dwelt among us. He lived a perfect life, the kind of life that you and I certainly couldn't have lived And he hung on the cross for you and I. He carried the weight of our sin and our shame and he cried out, it is finished. And he was buried in the grave and three days later he rose. He overcame sin, death, and the grave and is victorious. And because of that, we have been set free from our own captivity. You and I are free. And yet some of us, Some of us, we still stay in these prison walls. You see, the gate has been opened. We have access to get out of our prison, and yet we stay. We stay under the weight of our own shame, our own burdens, our own heaviness, saying, I can can never do this. I'm, I'm stuck and I can't get out. And it's like a heavy blanket over us and we stay in our captivity. Kyle Eidelman, a pastor, puts it this way. We have been set free. We are free, but we don't know how to live out our freedom. And like a wet blanket, it just hangs over us and we can't do anything about it some days it feels like. And, and this affects everything. This affects Your marriage, it affects your parenting, it affects your relationships when you are burdened under the old way, under the captivity of our sin and shame. Some of us are set free, but we aren't living out that freedom. 
but Christ came and he changed everything. Just as Nelson Mandel walked out of that prison and never looked back, we as followers of Christ have been released from captivity and we get to never look back. So how do we do it? How do we live out that freedom? It's gonna be our main theme for today. You and I have been set free and now let's live out that reality. We sang earlier about Jesus and we call you bondage breaker because you're handing out the prison keys. My soul was made to be free. How do we live out that freedom? Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter five? Galatians chapter five, and we'll be in verses 13 through 26 today. Galatians chapter five, verses 13 through 26. So glad you guys are here. You guys are doing good? Awesome, awesome. A little background on the Church of Galatia as you're flipping there. Paul is upset at the Church of Galatia. This church that's located in modern day Turkey, and he's upset for, for one big reason. They've distorted the gospel. Somewhere along the way, it was no longer Christ alone. Right, in Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone. Somehow along the way, it turned into Christ plus what I do. And Paul is upset. He is mad about this. He's passionate about the fact that the gospel needs to remain the gospel, that we are saved only by Christ. And so if you were to read through all of Galatians, you'd see some, some pretty passionate statements by Paul to say, hey, leave the gospel to be the gospel. And so Galatians 1, 1 through 5, 12, really, he's setting the stage. He's saying, hey, we've been set free. You and I have experienced freedom in Christ. And now as we get to 13, verse 13 of chapter 5, we answer the question of what do we do about it? So if you're there with me in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, say, I'm there. there. Awesome. Let's pray as we continue this time. Lord, thank you. Thank you for how good you are. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you would come to this earth and that you would die on the cross for our sin. That you overcame sin, death, and the grave. Jesus, thank you for the freedom we have in you. And we just give to you this moment, hearts open, Minds open, Bibles open. Would you impact us, God? Would you have your way in our lives? God, we come here with maybe some really great things going on, some really hard things going on, everything in between. Would you meet us where we're at? You're here. So would you lead, would you guide, would you have your way? Be with our friends who are watching online, have your way in their lives. We just commit this time, this moment to you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do you and I live out our freedom? Number one, we live out our freedom by serving in love. Look with me in verse 13 of chapter five. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. You were called 
to freedom, to serve and love. We are free to pick up the towel and kneel down and wash the feet of others, called to serve and love. And so when Paul says you were called to freedom, first of all, let's pause right there. You were called. You have a calling. You have a calling on your life given from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and your specific, unique circumstances where you live, work, and play. He's called you. He knows every detail of your life. You have a specific calling. And we also have a corporate calling as followers of Jesus. We are called to love God and to love people. We're called to be joyful always, thankful always, prayerful always. First Thessalonians 5, the list goes on and on of our corporate calling. Part of that calling is freedom. You and I are called to that. God's got a specific calling in your life and part of his calling in your life is freedom. So for you are called to freedom, brothers, Keep looking with me in verse 13. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So don't use this newfound freedom in Christ to just do whatever you want. We all know that when you just do whatever you want, eventually that becomes its own form of bondage. So don't use your freedom for the flesh to do what you want, which eventually brings its own set of chains and shackles, but experience freedom through serving others. And how do we serve others? We do it in love, love. In February, 2016, the world would change for every person with a Facebook account. You see, they brought in the heart reaction to Facebook posts. No longer could you only like a post. No, you could love a post. So you can show your love for people with just a click of a button as you swipe on to the next thing, absentmindedly showing love, love. Now, don't get me wrong. Please feel free to go on our Facebook page and love our posts. If you're watching online right now, hit that heart button, right? But here's what I'm saying. We water down love, don't we? We just do. Yet the love that we see of Christ, well, it's like that love in John 13 where Jesus takes up the towel, pours out the water, and he washes his disciples' Stinky, gross feet to the love. This is the kind of love that God calls us to serve in love. This deep-seated, deep-rooted, all-in kind of love. How is God calling you to serve How is he calling you in your life specifically to serve and love, to pick up the towel? And guys, we we celebrate the results this weekend of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. We celebrate that. And in the same breath, we say, "Let's let's get going. Let's get going. 
Let's get serving in love. Let's pick up the towel because guys in our community, there are, there are children without families. There are moms who are scared and need love and need support. Let's pick up the towel. Let's not just do this with our lips. Let's do it with our lives, our wallets, our time. It's time to pick up the towel. What is God calling you to do with that towel? By the way, you can get involved directly. We got Karenet right outside today. Go and talk to them. It's the last day. We can turn in our baby bottles, but they'll, they'll take it after that too. Um, go out there, talk to them. If you wanna get involved right outside those doors, hook a right, it's right there. Look into four kids, our foster care agency, a Christ-based foster care agency. Maybe God's calling you to open up your home Maybe he's calling you to support foster families. Maybe he's calling you to serve at Graceway Village because guys, we gotta be consistent with our calling. We're about womb to tomb. We're about every breath, every heartbeat. It all matters to God. Let's pick up our towel. So how's he calling you in your life to pick up the towel? How's he calling you in your marriage to pick up the towel? With your kids, at work. Maybe it's that coworker that you just can't stand. Maybe this week, maybe, just maybe, you look for a way to pick up the towel and serve. Maybe when you get home, you look for a way to pick up the towel and serve your spouse, your kids. How are we serving in love? Because in serving, there is true freedom. Continue on with me. In verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, one phrase, one saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Boy, that is a high calling. Jesus unpacks this in Luke chapter 10 with a story of the Good Samaritan the guy who's half dead on the side of the road and the Samaritan comes down and he loves on him sacrificially, taking care of his needs, going above and beyond, a love that follows through, a love that has compassion. And Jesus says, this is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is the fulfillment of the law, and Jesus will say, and the prophets. This, the intention of it all, God's heartbeat is Love, love God, love people. Two sides of the same coin. Paul's focusing on the loving people part right now. Serve others. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. One more thing I wanna say about this. All of us in this room, we got to our seat, got to being in here. We had to pass through a whole bunch of serve team workers, didn't we? The parking lot workers who helped you find your seat. The greeters at the door that greeted you walked your way in. The, the cafe, the, 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 the coffee bar team who helped get you your delicious, delicious coffee. The ushers who helped you find your seat. The security volunteers who are here to help keep us safe. The children's work, workers right over there next door who are watching our kids. 
the AV team who is making it work so we can hear what's going on and see the slides, the people that were behind me earlier who volunteered their time to lead us in musical worship. There is no shortage of people serving here. Can we just thank God for them right now? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for you guys and all that you do. I wanna encourage you, if you wanna be a part of that, maybe God's tug on your heart, join, join a serve team. We'd love to have you. Calvarypsl.com slash next steps. Click on join a serve team. Uh, you also get involved with Discover Calvary, which is going on right next door right now, but we wanna help you and equip you to pick up a towel and serve. And one more thing I wanna say. Just because you're not wearing a serve team shirt on the weekend doesn't mean you don't get to pick up a towel here over the weekend. When people walk through these doors, you have no idea what they're going through. Whether it's their first time or they've been coming for years, you have no idea what they're going through. And so can we together commit to something? Can we commit to being honorary greeters here in this church family? Here's what I mean. When I read this the other day. I thought it was fascinating. When you get within 10 feet of somebody, you really should be greeting them, showing them love, showing that you see them, you notice them. We're not asking for much. It's a wave and a hi, how are you doing? Even that goes such a long way. You never know what people are going through when they come in these doors. And maybe your smile, your acknowledgement, your hello, your how are you doing? And oh my goodness, maybe even if we get to know them and ask them their name, you never know how far it will go. So church family, can we together make a commitment? You see anyone within 10 feet on this, on this place, in this campus, will you say hello to them? Will you be honorary greeters? Would you through love serve one another? Would you pick up the towel. Again, how is God calling you to pick up the towel? I hope when we walk out in that foyer later today, it's just like no shortage of saying hello, right? You just got the measuring tape out and you're like 10 feet. All right, time for me to say hello to you. Make it 15, make it 20, right? It's even better. But how is God calling you to pick up the towel and serve? Because in that we find freedom. Paul goes on in verse 15 to say this, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Now, Paul's not talking about actual biting. If you're biting, that's, that's a problem though. Please don't do that. But if you bite and devour one another, what's he talking about? He's talking about cutting people down, gossiping, talking behind their back, this is all going on in the church of Galatia. There are divisions and dissensions and problems going on. So if you bite and devour one another, watch out. They're not consumed by one another. You see, what we consume will eventually consume us. Can we also make another agreement, church family, that we will never gossip about those around us? We will never Gossip, what is gossip? Gossip is what James three puts it like this. He says, how can we with our tongue praise God and all of his glory and majesty and splendor? How can we say you are good, God, you are good. And then with that same tongue, curse man who is made in the image of God. James says there's no place for this. 
It makes no sense. It's like a tree that simultaneously grows apples and bananas. It's like a fountain that simultaneously produces fresh water and salt water. It's not even possible. May we agree together, church family, that we are gonna build one another up because what we consume consumes us. And in building one another up and serving one another, there is true freedom, Paul is telling us. So how do we live out our freedom? We serve in love. How else do we live out our freedom? We walk by the Spirit. We let God lead the way in every facet of our lives. We see this in verses 16 through 18. Look with me in verse 16. But I say, contrast to the biting and devouring and consuming, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk. So it's a Jewish idiom, a, a phrase in their society. They use walk. It meant every bit of life, every nook and cranny, every bit of it, walk by the Spirit. That means when you're doing the dishes later today, the Spirit's there, walking by the Spirit. When you're walking the dog, walk by the Spirit. It means the Spirit has control over every facet of your life. Walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, some of us, we struggle with these issues and with these problems and with these concerns and just these temptations in life. And we say, hey, if I just power through, if I just get the right self-help book, if I just listen to the right podcast, I'm going to make it. I'm going to overcome this on my own. Doesn't work, does it? What does Paul tell us? If we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It all comes through him. Not you, not me, but through him. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And look with me in verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. I think we all can relate to this, right? Like, Matt, you're in your car and you're driving down 95. It's a beautiful day. You're minding your own business. And then someone just cuts you off, right? Just cruises going 100 miles an hour right by you. What happens inside of you? Oh, I'm gonna, uh, right? There's no words, uh, I give him a piece of my mind. I'm gonna speed up, right? Your flesh is rising up. But then what else happens inside of you? The spirit is like, no, 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 right? It's okay, chill out, calm down, pray for them. Which, by the way, have you tried that when someone cuts you off? Try it, it's, it's hard. Pray for them, right? The spirit in you. you. So you feel this, you feel this like tension, right? Of your own flesh, and then the spirit in you. And there's countless examples of this. You know this, this tension of the flesh and the spirit in you. But here's the deal. It's not a 50-50 thing. It's not a fair fight. 
In fact, as we're going to go on to see what, what Paul has to say, when I think about the battle between the flesh and the spirit, I think about how on May 25th, 1965, Cassius Clay went up against Sonny Liston in the heavyweight championship of the world. It was supposed to be an equal fight, equal opponents. Sonny Liston didn't last two minutes. He received the knockout punch and laid on the ground. The bell dinged, the, it, the match was over. And Cassius Clay was victorious. And you see, as followers of Christ, it's not a fair fight because Christ came, he died for you, he hung on the cross, he delivered the knockout punch by raising from the grave. It wasn't even a fair fight. The spirit is greater than that flesh. Greater. So I want you to imagine your own flesh, those own struggles, those own problems, those own temptations, and think about not you standing over them, but Christ standing over them. It's not a fair fight, not even close. So how are you living the spirit-led life? How is he leading you this week in your marriage, in your parenting? In your work? How is he leading you? How are you walking in the spirit? Paul goes on to say in verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. If you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Life under the law expresses itself in works of the flesh, all right? So when we try to do things our own way, try to earn our way to God, try to fulfill this law that we never could, it really expresses itself in works of the flesh. Our flesh comes out. But when we're led by the spirit, we are no longer under it. Would you let the spirit lead you? Anybody here a ballroom dancer? I am a... Uh, you know, five-time champion ballroom dancer. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, I couldn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't ballroom dance at all. But I've watched it and you, you see what happens, right? Like where the person's leading and they just make it seem effortless, right? There's just like this flow to it. And I feel like being led by the spirit is kind of like that. He's just leading you and guiding you. And, and Paul's gonna say later on in Galatians, that you're keeping in step with the Spirit, right? He's the one leading. He's the one guiding. You're just following his lead. It's kind of like that. And when I think about this freedom, I think about this beautiful passage in 2 Corinthians 3 that says, maybe you can help me out, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. Right? So as the Spirit is leading you and guiding you and moving you, you have this freedom. Jesus would say, I have come to give the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are free to live out the dance that God has called us to, to live the Spirit-led, Spirit-filled life. So we walk by the Spirit. 
The other day I was feeling a little extra just overwhelmed and stressed and anxious. Anyone else get that way ever? Oh, I'm not alone. Good, good. I went for a run and I really just felt the Lord as I was going on this run just through my neighborhood the other day, just really put it on my heart, this prayer. Nothing complex, nothing, a lot of words. It's just this. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me in blank, whatever it is that you're going through. Spirit, lead me in. You see, I can try so often to think my way through things that I just get more and more constricted, more and more bondage. And yet, when I say, Spirit, lead me, there's this freedom to it that it's not on me to logic my way out of this concern, this worry, this fear, this problem. There's this freedom in that. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me in my finances. I don't know how I'm gonna pay the mortgage this month. What am I gonna do? I'm freaking out. Spirit, lead me. Or maybe you're saying, I'm so stressed out over this relationship. Maybe you just started dating this person and you're so nervous. What if they don't like me? What if I'm so afraid that they're going to kick me to the curb? Spirit, lead me. At work, I don't know what to do with this decision in front of me. I have to have this tough conversation with an employee and I don't know how I'm going to do it, how I'm gonna get through it and I'm so concerned. Spirit, lead me. What is the Spirit leading you to do this week as in freedom you pick up the towel and you continue to be led in the dance that the Spirit has for you? We've been set free. Let's live out that reality. And we do that through serving in love, walking by the Spirit, and allowing the Spirit to bear fruit in our lives. We see this in verse 19 through 26. We allow the Spirit to bear fruit in our lives. We plant the seed of a Spirit-led life, and the result is his fruit. Now, here's the deal about fruit. It's an external indicator of an internal reality. See, Paul's whole point in the book of Galatians isn't be a good person, go do good stuff. His point is we are saved by Christ and Christ alone. Christ plus nothing equals everything. So why would Paul switch it up right now and say, okay, be a good person. That's how you get saved. And yet that is the message that we sometimes tell ourselves. Gotta be a good person. And yet we see the fruit is not of you. It's not of Andrew. It's of the spirit. As we continue to stay connected to the spirit, he's the one that produces fruit. I thought I'd look up the other day how you, know, you grow an orange. Can't be that hard, right? So I look it up and, well, pff, it's hard. It's hard. 
You gotta get the right seeds and you gotta put them in the right spot. You gotta nourish them and water them. They gotta be in the perfect situation. And then over days and weeks and months and I guess years, you finally get this. You get the fruit. The fruit is an indicator of an internal reality. The internal reality is Christ in you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're gonna get to this list of the works of the flesh first. And here's what I wanna say about that. The flesh, this is an indicator of the internal reality. So when we get to this list of 15 things, I really wanna hammer this home. Chances are you've done or doing or you know, some of these things. The point isn't, oh man, I've done one of these things I'm done for. I guess I'm out of the kingdom of God. In fact, Peter himself did one of these works of the flesh. According to Paul, just earlier in the book of Galatians, Peter had caused dissension and division in the church, he was hanging out with the Jewish people and, and he said, I, with the saved Jews, and he said, I don't wanna be a part of the Gentiles. And he backed away and Paul calls him out for his divisiveness. Sorry, Peter, you're out. No, right? That's not the point. Again, external indicator of an inner reality. But I want you to hear this. This is not a hammer of condemnation as we go to this list but rather it's showing that this is, what not, this is what our life does not consist of anymore as followers of Christ. This doesn't define us. So let's, let's get to that list here as we look at the works of the flesh. So look with me in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I really wanna focus on one word in this list, and that's do. Those who do such thing. You see, do is not just a one-time thing, right? Because I told you earlier that I was anxious and stressed out and worried. That anxiety, that's really part of the flesh, right? Have, has anyone else been envious this week at any point? I know I have. Do means this ongoing thing, like it characterizes your life. It's your living it out and you're living in it. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And church family, that is not us because we have Christ in us. We have an inheritance in the kingdom of God, not because of how great we are, but because of how great our God is because of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Remember, he's the one who delivered the knockout punch against our own flesh and sin. He's the one that carried it on his shoulders on the cross. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's talk about our inheritance though. Look with me in Galatians chapter four. We're gonna put it up on the screen here. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive, what's that next word? 
adoption. Adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, what? Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You and I have an inheritance as followers of Christ. We have inherited the kingdom of God. We are his kids. That list that we just talked about of the flesh, it doesn't define you anymore. Maybe you're sitting here today and you feel like a second-rate kid in the kingdom of God. Say, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm struggling with today. You don't know what's been done to me. How could God ever love me? And here's what I have to say to you, friend, that there is nothing, nothing, nothing that Christ didn't carry on the cross for you. Nothing is too big. He loves you. You are his child. You are adopted in Christ. And we get to cry out, Abba, Father. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And now we get to go on to the fruit, right? That external indicator of that internal reality. So look with me now in verse 22. But, contrast to the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There is no limit on the amount of love you can show. There is no limit on the amount of joy you can have and spread. There's no limit of the goodness of God that you can reflect in our world. This is unlimited. There is no law against it. In fact, it fulfills the law through Christ. You go to the doctor, and the doctor says, hey, you gotta cut down those sweets, right? How you doing with that, by the way? <laughs> or you gotta cut down on those certain kind of veggies, or you gotta cut down on fruits, that fructose maybe isn't good for you. In the kingdom of God, there's no limit to the fruit of the spirit that you get to show. Because remember, the spirit is in you, and so you have that freedom. You pick up the towel, you walk in the spirit and now you get to show these fruits, not of you, not of me, but of the spirit. You might look at this list and you might go, man, I am lacking in patience because I was on the one on 95 the other day and that person cut me off and I didn't have patience. Maybe that's you. The point's not, okay, let me focus in on that. Get the self-help book, download the podcast, get better. It's going back to the Spirit. It's going back to the Spirit, letting him fill you and guide you and lead you. How do we do this? Well, spend time with him. Spend time with him on a, on a regular basis. Make time devoted to him, devoted to his word. Spend time in community. Join a discipleship environment. Get involved 
Grow in community. By the way, we want to tell you, we've, we've got our, our Calvary classes launching in September. Uh, it's going to be with our family night on Wednesday nights here. We're so excited for what God's going to do. Maybe you haven't been in a discipleship environment. Come on out to that while your kids are getting discipled and poured into, while you too get discipled. So you can continue to grow in the spirit and eventually continue to produce those fruits. So if you haven't gotten in a discipleship environment, I wanna encourage you, go, go to our website, calvarypsl.com slash discipleship. There's, a, there's an interest button for our classes. Click on it, click on whatever classes you're interested in, and then we'll, we'll message you as it gets closer to get you, get you signed up. Maybe that's your next step today. But let's keep bearing fruit because we're never done getting to bear God's fruit Galatians 2.20 puts it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and the life I now live. I live according to the Son of God. No longer in the flesh, but I live according to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You've been crucified. This is now the new life, the life that we get to live in freedom. The prison door has been swung open. We are no longer captive. We get to walk out. We get to serve in love. We get to pick up the towel. We get to walk in his spirit. And guess what? Fruit comes from that. How is God calling you to bear fruit this week? I want to speak to those who are maybe going through a hard time right now. Maybe you're sitting here, you're like, I, I lost a loved one this last week. I'm having trouble in my marriage. I'm on the verge of bankruptcy. And you say, how in the world am I supposed to be producing fruits when life is so hard? Here's what I want to say to that. Remember, the fruit is not about you. You're not the one doing a church family in our weakness. He is strong. Whatever you are going through, we want you to know that God, his word promises, is close to the brokenhearted. He is with and saves the crushed in spirit. He is with you. The point isn't how strong of a tree you are producing fruit. He is the one who is the mighty tree. He is the vine. We are the branches. Sit with him. Let him do his thing. He is with you in the midst of the hardship, the hurt, the brokenness. Somehow in there, he's helping us produce fruit. You don't have to have it all together. It's not what this list is about. He's the one that has it all together. Stay connected to him. He's with you. You're brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And let him do his thing with his fruit. How do we live out our freedom? We serve, we love, we walk in the spirit. And we remember church family. I wanna, I wanna key in on this too. Romans 8.1 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For the law of Christ Jesus 
has set us free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. He, he opened the prison doors for us. How did he do it? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, right? He took on flesh and dwelt among us. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He took on your sin and mine so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk no longer according to the flesh, Paul says, but according to the spirit. This is freedom. This is living out the freedom that God has called you and I to. We get to embrace it. And Paul rounds out our passage together with this. Those who belong, verse 24, to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You belong to him. We say this a lot in our church. You belong. You have a place to belong at Calvary. We want you to know that. If you're new here, if you're newer, or if you've been here from day one, we want you to know you belong here. We're so glad you're here. But even more than that, we want you to know that you belong with Christ. You're his child. In fact, it says that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, their passions and desires. Remember, Christ delivered the knockout punch. You belong to him. Your flesh does not rule, does not reign. It's a lion on the mat. They've counted to 10. It's knocked out. You belong to Christ. And then he says in verse 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit, right? Continue that dance, continue that waltz. Let him lead and guide you, keep in step. And in verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Here's one way to put it. You are free to be you. Be you. Don't be conceited. Oh, I'm better than that person. Don't be envying. Oh, I wish I was that person. Just be you. Be who God made you to be. You are free to be you. Use your gifts, your talents, your passions, your abilities for the kingdom of God Right, pick up the towel, bear fruit, but do it being who God called you to be. Because we're so thankful you are in this church body and it wouldn't be the same without you. You are free to be you. Nelson Mandela walked out of prison, a free man, and he never looked back. He would go on to end apartheid in South Africa. He would become president of the country and he would help achieve national reconciliation. Nelson Mandela walked out of prison a free man and he never looked back. And as followers of Christ, we have been set free. And you and I, we don't need to look back. So let's serve others. Let's pick up that towel. Let's walk in freedom. Let's let the spirit lead us and guide us 
in that dance where he has good works for you. And through that, let's bear the fruit of the spirit. Let's go out and let's enjoy and embrace the freedom that God has for us. Guys, with that, ministry partners, would you come forward? This team is here for you. The ministry team is here for you to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, if you're, not, if you're saying, hey, I'm not walking in the spirit because I don't have the spirit. I don't know this Jesus who died for me. Come up front. We wanna talk with you. We wanna pray with you. We want today to be the day that you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're watching online too, you can go to our Knowing Christ page on calvarypsl.com. We have the gospel laid out there. Let us know if you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and we wanna send you a Bible as well. So church family, as we go into next week, 4th of July, we celebrate our country's freedom. Let's also remember the freedom we have in Christ. And maybe, just maybe this week, as you eat an orange, you think about the beauty of getting to live out a life for him and the fruit that he brings. And boy, I hope it tastes sweet. Love you guys. Thankful for you. Darius, come on out.